Hi, this is uh, Dr. Gwen. Today is Saturday, September 8th. Tomorrow is my 59th birthday. Wow, where did it go? I suppose this one's a little bit more meaningful to me because my mother died when she was 59, breast cancer. And that's probably why I podcast a lot about breast cancer research. Um, but anyway, on to the studies for today. There's a This one was actually in the... New York Times, and I chose this one because I've changed my habits recently. We joined a local club, my husband and I, and we are just having a wonderful time getting exercise. We're swimming, I'm using weights. I still am a little timid for going into the classes, but we're getting exercise. Um, What's really nice about this club, it's mostly people around our age, so um, we're having fun. So the, the title of this article is, What Would It Take for You to Persuade You to Exercise? Um, a Desire to Lose Weight, Improve Your Figure, to Keep Heart Disease, Cancer, or Diabetes at Bay, to Lower Your Blood Pressure or Cholesterol, to Protect Your Bones, to Live to a Healthy Old Age. And I, I think it, for me it was all of them. And I think more importantly was to feel good. So you'd think any of those reasons would be sufficient to get Americans exercising, but scores of studies have shown otherwise. It seems that public health experts, doctors, exercise devotees, and the media have been using ineffective tactics to entice sedentary people to become and remain active. For decades, people have been bombarded with messages that regular exercise is necessary to lose weight, prevent serious disease, and foster healthy aging. And yes, most people say they value the goals, but a majority of Americans, two-thirds of whom are overweight, overweight or obese, have failed to, begun, to begin exercising. New research by um, psychologists strongly suggests it's time to stop thinking about future health, weight loss, and body image as motivators for exercise. Instead, they are recommending the strategy marketers use to sell products. Portray physical activity as a way to enhance current well-being and happiness. That probably will go more towards motivation to people. They need to make exercise relevant to people's daily life. And this is a research investigator by the name of Dr. Seeger at the Institute for Research on Women and Gender at the University of Michigan. And you know, she said that everyone's schedule is packed with non-stop to-dos and you can only fit in what's essential and to reframe the message. She's one of the experts who believe that people will not commit to exercise if they see its benefits as distant or theoretical. And that may be what we that may be the focus that we've had. It has to be portrayed as a compelling behavior that can benefit us today. People who say that exercise for its benefits to quality of life exercise more over the course of a year than those who say they value exercise because of health benefits. So, you know, focusing on quality of life and like, like I said, that was what started my reason to going and working out, was I wanted to feel better. Um, her idea for a public service advertisement to promote exercise for working women with families, she um, recommends a woman is shown walking around the block after dinner with the children and says, this is great, I can fit in fitness, spend quality time with the kids, at the same time teach them how important exercise is. Based on studies of what motivates people to adopt and sustain physical activity, she argues that experts stop framing moderate exercise as a medical prescription. 
that requires 150 min minutes of aerobic effort each week. And I would agree with that. You know, this you need 30 minutes a day. And so that was almost exhausting just thinking about it. Instead, public health officials must begin to address the emotional hooks that make it essential for people to fit it into their hectic lives. Immediate rewards are more motivating than distant ones. Feeling happy and less stressed is much more motivating than not getting heart disease or cancer. Maybe someday in the future. So that, there is a lot of truth to that, and just from my own recent experience. In a study of 252 office workers, psychologists found that while many began to exercise as a way to lose weight and improve their appearance, the motivations did not keep them exercising in the long term. The well-being and enjoyment benefits of exercise should be emphasized, that these researchers concluded. Physical activity is an elixir of life, but, but they're not teaching people that. They're teaching them it's a pill to take or a punishment for bad numbers on the scale. There's a lot of truth to that. Sustaining physical activity is a motivational and emotional issue, not a medical one. Other studies have shown that what gets people off their ducks and keeps them moving depends on age, gender, life circumstances, and even ethnicity. For those of college age, for example, physical attractiveness typically has the list of reasons to begin exercising. Although what keeps them going seems to be the stress relief that a regular exercise program provides. The elderly, on the other hand, may get started because of health concerns, but often what keeps them exercising are the friendships, sense of community, and camaraderie that may otherwise be missing from their lives. Easily seen among the gray-haired women who faithfully attend water exercises classes at a local YMCA. In a recent study of 1,690 overweight or obese middle-aged men and women, uh, Dr. Seeger had found that enhancing daily well-being was, was the most influential factor for the women in the study. Men indicated they were motivated by more distant health benefits, uh, though she suspects that this may be because men feel less comfortable discussing their mental health needs. What sustains us, we sustain. We need to promote what marketers call customer loyalty. We need to help people stay engaged with movement by teaching them how it can help sustain them in their lives. And this really uh, makes me think of what um, Michelle Obama has been doing in the United States to get Americans moving. Many, if not most, people start exercising because they want to lose weight, but very often they abandon exercise when the pounds fail to fall off. Study after study has found that without major changes in eating habits, increasing physical activity is only somewhat effective for losing weight. Though it helps people maintain weight loss and shedding even a few pounds, especially around the middle, and there's so much research about the, um, the effect of visceral abdominal fat and the relationship to um, cardiac disease as well as cancers. Um, a study in um, Australia and in England studied 58 sedentary, overweight, overweight or obese men and women who participated in a closely monitored 12-week aerobic exercise program. Weight loss was minimal, but nonetheless, the participants' waistline shrunk, their blood pressure and resting heart rate dropped, and their aerobic capacity and mood improved. Exercise should be encouraged, and the emphasis on weight loss reduced, they concluded, the researchers Disappointment and low self-esteem associated with poor weight loss could lead to low exercise adherence and a general perception that exercise is futile and not beneficial. So I, I really encourage you, get out there, um, get, get, get walking, get moving, look into a local club. 
think about the impact, not so much on your physical being, but that, that will come. But it will give you, it will lower your stress, it will make you feel more energized, make you happier, and uh, just all in all, it's good for you. The next study is actually, I wanted to share too, because this is something that I coined myself back in a research paper I did back in 1995. Um, so I'm glad to see that this concept is being researched. It's, can you be fat and fit or thin and unhealthy? And turns out being obese isn't necessarily a bad thing. In a new study by U.S. and European researchers published in the European Heart Journal, overweight and obese people were found to be at no greater risk of de developing or dying from heart disease or cancer compared with normal weight people, as long as they were metabolically fit despite their excess weight. The researchers examined data on 43,265 participants enrolled in the Aerobic Center Longitudinal Study between 1979 and 2003. And they had filled out questionnaires about their lifestyle and medical history and underwent physical exams, blood tests, and a treadmill test to gauge their cardiovascular fitness. The researchers categorized obese participants as metabolically healthy. If, aside from the weight, they didn't suffer from insulin, diabetes, insulin resistance, diabetes, low levels of good cholesterol, high triglycerides, and high blood pressure. Nearly half of the obese participants in the study qualified as metabolically fit. I love that. That's, I, I won't even go on a scale. I think we get we have got to focus more on being what is considered metabolically fit. Compared with obese people who had at least two of the above markers of poor health, those who were obese but metabolically healthy had a 38% lower risk of early death from any cause. In fact, those who were fat but fit had no higher death, death risk than metabolically healthy, sound, uh, healthy normal weight participants. And the, the finding runs counter to the prevailing wisdom that weight is in and of itself a marker of health. Rather, it suggests that a person's level of physical fitness in addition to his or her weight matters too. Weight is a major issue when it's combined with a, with a metabolic abnormality. When you have weight plus insulin resistance, weight plus hypertension, weight plus abnormal cholesterol, then you have an issue. Obviously, the more overweight and the more obese you are, the more likely you are to have a metabolic abnormality. Um, this, this, this paper actually comes in line with other recently released research, including a study that was presented at the European Society of Cardiology that was based on 14 years of data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Survey. And in that study, they found that when it comes to a risk of early death, obese, being obese overall may not be as important as where in the body your fat is distributed, as I just talked about. In the study, people who are of normal weight but had a paunch, that is a lot of visceral or belly fat, which unlike run-of-the-mill subcutaneous fat, is known to be metabolically dangerous and to promote insulin resistance and inflammation, were twice as likely to die early as people of normal weight with no gut. People with lots of concentrated belly fat also had a higher risk of death than people who were simply obese all over. Another study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association in early August added evidence for the so-called obesity paradox. Finding that among people already diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, those who were obese live longer than their thinner peers. Similarly, in a second study published in the current issue of the European Heart Journal, researchers looked at nearly 65,000 patients with heart disease and found that overweight and obese people had the lowest risk of early death compared with normal weight or underweight patients. Those who were underweight had the highest death risk 
Very confusing, isn't it? So what's going on? Being metabolically fit may be the game changer. And physical fitness, irrespective of weight, is a strong predictor of whether or not you're going to be metabolically fit. Think about insulin resistance. The biggest consumer of sugar in the human body is muscle. Muscle doesn't just move us from point A to point B. It, also, it is also extremely important for many metabolic variables like blood sugar. So it makes sense that someone who is fit metabolically going, is going to be far better off than someone who is unfit. And that's why some heavy people can be fit on the inside, healthier even than some of their thinner peers. Many people who diet but don't exercise to lose weight, for example, may technically reach a heavy weight, but their fitness level doesn't match. They may appear trim on the outside, but still carry too much visceral fat and not enough muscle on the inside. They're not physically active. They have horrible and restricted diets. They may not be overweight, but metabolically, they're a mess. The key is what doctors and public health experts have been saying all along. Get more exercise, whether you're thin or fat. Based on the data that our group and others have collected, they believe that getting more exercise broadly and positively influences major body symptoms and organs systems and organs and consequently contributes to make someone metabolically healthier, including obese people. You, know, you have to remember it doesn't take that much to be fit. To qualify as fit, it takes about 30 minutes of walking five days a week on average. And as we just talked about, don't focus on the minutes, but just get moving. That's not a lot. Of, you don't need a lot of caloric expenditure. It is actually quite easy physiologically to be overweight or obese, but also qualify as physically fit. So get moving. The bottom line of these new findings is, aren't an excuse to remain overweight or obese, although research increasingly suggests that excess weight alone may not necessarily lead to disease or health or early death. You're still more likely to develop other metabolic risk factors. So that's, that's the key. Even though you may be a little overweight and you're metabolically fit, the likelihood of you becoming unfit and having some of these other symptoms or diseases will occur. So I hope you enjoyed this. It's rather long. I apologize for that, but they, they just seem to fit so nicely together. And they, I think I wanted to podcast them because they motivate me as to why I'm moving now and um, getting going with exercise. This is Dr. Gwen. Take good care of yourself and have a wonderful day. Bye now.